0: Hello awesome people around the globe. Today's episode is a must listen for personal trainers navigating the unique challenges of training women at various life stages. Whether it's during pregnancy, postpartum, or through the menopausal transition, this one's for you. And it's equally for all the women out there striving to feel and look better and to embrace wellness in every form. Joining me today is Baz Moffat from the Well HQ in the UK. We've delved into this crucial topics, discussing how personal trainers can enhance their skills in the vital area of female fitness training. So tune in and soak up the insights from the incredible Baz Moffat. Hey and welcome to the Next Gen PT podcast. This is Alex and I have a wonderful guest with me today, which I'm very proud to talk to her and to get her on the podcast this is the fantastic, the phenomenal Baz Moffat from the Well HQ. Baz, how are you doing today? I'm
1: really good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, you're most welcome. I was waiting for that for, you know, quite some time now. to be fair. I was asking around who could connect me to you guys. It's not only you at Well HQ. Is, is that correct?
1: Uh, No, that's right. I've got two other co-founders, two doctors, one who is a NHS GP doctor, and I've got a sport and exercise physiologist as well. So there's like a team of three of us.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Girls are doing something good for the girls. Can you tell me a bit more about what the Well HQ is doing and why are you doing that?
1: Yeah, so... We are attempting to educate everyone in the world of fitness and sport about the female body. Um, And so not just like one part of uh, female health, but everything. So from menstrual cycles to pelvic health, to sports bras, to why is it that girls and women get more injured than men? How to help um, navigate all the inevitable life stages that we'll go through, um, because really we know that girls and women do a lot less physical activity than boys and men do, and when we do do physical activity, we get more injured. And um, so these are the kind of things that we are trying to address, and we generally feel that the only way you can do that is by educating those that are actually looking after the girls and women.
0: I see. What 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 was your motivation, for example, to go into that? You know, because okay, I, I can see, of course, you're a woman. Thank God. So that is a, a big, uh, a big reference point for you. If I, if I would do that, it wouldn't be the same, wouldn't it? Uh,
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be the same. You're right. So I think that my, my motivation is my background was uh, in elite sport. So I was on the fem- women's uh, British rowing team for four years Um. And it was at a time when there was a concept called marginal gains. And so British Cycling, David Brailsford was like dominating this space about marginal gains. And we were all being encouraged to think of all the tiny little things that we could put in place that in and of itself wouldn't wouldn't make any difference to our performance. But actually, if you added them all up, it would make a performance gain. And so it was tiny things like making sure everyone was like on time and ready to go at the start of sessions to kind of what types of feathers do we put into our duvet cover so we get a great night's sleep Um, what was yeah, what what were we having nutritionally within five minutes and how did you get nutrition into you within five minutes of finishing a training session all of these kind of tiny things but at no point did anyone talk about female health like at no point did anyone talk about uh, support the girls that were debilitated by their menstrual cycle symptoms or the girls that needed sports like well-fitting sports bras. they weren't helped or supported. And I don't think at the time we saw it as a gap. We weren't like we weren't talking about it. We weren't demanding it. It's just it just wasn't the conversation wasn't even happening. And then once I retired from sport and became a personal trainer and a fitness coach and had two children of my own, um I just started to realize that goodness me, like we are we are underserving women and a fundamental part of that is that we all come out of PT school with no knowledge whatsoever around the female body. And it, and, and that's the problem because it's like, oh, but well, the industry has qualified me. So therefore the industry must think that this isn't important and this must be something that is a nice to have as opposed to a must have. And so that's what's really motivated me because I think it's not a nice to have. I think it's an, if you have girls and women that you're working with, you have to understand their feet, their, their bodies.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: that's what's motivated me to kind of set up the well.
0: You were rowing from, well, you were in the team since 2005 to 2008. So all of the yeah. seasons. So it's, it's really four years, right? When did it happen that you become a mom? Was it before that? Uh, after pro- that? No,
1: no, no, no. No, so I became a mum twenty fourteen. So sort of six years after retiring from my sport, and back then there was probably only I don't think anyone had had a baby. Like I don't like Jess Ennis Hill, Serena Williams. Like none of them had had children. Um, it was there was there was no role models for you mm. to have a child within your elite career. Like nowadays, you can think of lots and lots of examples. Mm. Not just in the world of sport, but in the world of fitness as well, where women will come back and, and, you know, to to the same, if not better fitness levels. But back then, you, most women would have given up their sports to have a baby, which is exactly what I did.
0: Yeah. But is it, I think it's kind of funny because if you look at the trainers, the fitness industry isn't really, you know, a welcoming environment for babies and so on, because, you know, it's kind of hard to work. As a trainer, where Mm -hmm. your your schedule is all across the day, how how can you raise a baby then? So and what I'm seeing a lot, awfully lot right now still, is that a lot of female trainers that got in the industry that was doing that they were pretty good, right, in as personal trainers and everything, but then they leave the industry and end up with a job probably they don't like too much because it's almost impossible to work as a trainer so what we see today is that we as trainers or female trainers we're helping other other women to get back into shape postpartum but you know when they get a baby they cannot do them themselves not by staying in the industry that they enjoy working in and they you know with a job they love how yeah. can we change that
1: well, I, I did it, but it was hard work. And the only way I did it was that I had, I also specialised. So I went, I moved away from generalised personal training to very specific pelvic health. Like pelvic health and female health was my thing. So I was kind of a bit sought after, if you like, for my expertise. But I basically filled filled my day, all day Tuesday, all day Thursday, literally back-to-back clients. I just, I only worked from I don't know like you know because obviously nurseries aren't open first thing in the morning either so it was that kind of like so my first client was like half eight nine o'clock and I worked all the way through till the to the afternoon um and then and so then in the other days I would I would run the business sort sort all that side of things out but you just become less flexible because you can't do evening and also I was a new mum I was exhausted so that kind of that that normal PT routine of kind of like an early start a bit of a break like you know maybe a couple of clients in the afternoon and then an evening class you just can't sustain and I think that you have so I basically had to work out how can I charge a lot more for people to see me so I had to massively upskill myself and how can I get everyone in in one in like one day um and then, yeah, you know, and then run my business so brilliantly around that, that like, that was very, very efficient. Um, there was a time when I was having to kind of, you know, I'd, um I'd finish in the afternoon, I'd go and pick up the kids from nursery, I'd like, feed them, give them bath time, and then I'd run a, you know, I'd do a fitness class or something in my, in you know, my spare room, and I, I, I was just exhausted. And I think the burnout of women, because childcare is not, is not relaxing <laughs> it's like no, it's, it's harder than your job and if you've got a very physical job and then you're having to do kids and tidy up your house and everything else like it is it is a lot and actually I just became very exhausted so I had to pull things away which meant I just had to find out how can I charge more how can I how can I charge more for people to see me because that's the only way I could do it
0: you know that's you the couldn't do
1: thing. it you couldn't do it I, well I couldn't have done it being employed by someone and getting 20 pounds an hour 25 pounds an hour that was just, was never ever going to
0: work yeah no it wouldn't, it wouldn't bring in that, enough no. you know to to make it through the month basically well this is this is what i what i get a lot with when i'm doing business coaching with personal trainers how can i charge more because they're so afraid to ramp up the prices even if they're really good i'm working with a client um well he is a male obviously but he's been in the industry for 30 years and he's charging way less than you know some new trainers on the market that are you know being working i don't know for 3 4 years or something like that which is insane and i know that in the and the female spectrum is it's it's even harder than that yeah you know at, at least when it comes to europe what i see though which is you know a glimpse of hope for in in my way in my view in the Arabic countries, the female trainers are charging three to four times more than mm. the male trainers are. Mm. So this could be, so I, you know. Yeah,
1: I did it by um, saying, well, I'm fixing a problem. So I moved out, I, I, I mentally moved away from the being a personal trainer. I was a personal trainer, but I moved away from that. I don't want someone to come and work with me forever. Like that's not the gig that I'm doing. I want someone to come and work with me. I'm going to fix their pelvic floor and I'm going to get them back loving their physical activity. Now, I knew that that would take me eight to 12 weeks. And so I said, so I would start work with people. I said, right, if you can commit eight weeks of like real commitment of working with me I promise you at the end of that eight weeks you will be in a place where either you can then look after yourself independently or you can move into one of my classes which I've kind of like you know which is kind of like a lot cheaper than one-to-one or you can carry on working with me but like my work will have been done within eight to 12 weeks of you starting to work with me and actually I was like that's fine that's totally fine and I'm very aligned and I'm I'm aligned with uh, physiotherapy prices. I kind of and I and I had no guilt. I had absolutely no guilt charging that money because I knew that I was fixing a problem. And I think that that's what I also love doing. I like I I love to have like a specific, a really really specific job to help support those females with. And then and then I then I let them go. But actually, you know, like like with personal trainers, they like you. They don't want to leave. They want to carry on working with you. So more often than not, they stayed with me. But the upfront conversation was. Like this is not this is not a lifetime commitment. This is a yeah. maximum of a three months. Um, but I reckon, you know, we might even be able to do it sooner than that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you approach your personal training or life with the same mentality as you would your sport? You know, you, you were an elite-level athlete at the end. So, you know, that this it requires discipline, it requires a lot of work, a lot of pushing through and everything so did did you hold on to that mentality when you stopped
1: um no I think it was totally different so I think that being an elite athlete is a very very selfish pursuit like you only have time you you literally want to get on the Great Britain team like that's it so anything that's not going to help you do that like you're not interested in you and you also don't listen to your body like you will pick up on injury like you'll pick up your your workout okay I, I've i got a little bit of niggle I need to go and get some support with that but in terms of like fatigue and pain and pushing too hard you don't you can't you, you just have to keep you have to keep driving 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 so the world of, for me the world of being an elite athlete was I was not healthy at all like I was I was high performance but I wasn't healthy and I could not sustain that like level of commitment mentally or physically for much longer than I did so into the personal training space um I kept things like my absolute and utter commitment to technique (laughs) like I kind of like I kept that I kept my Uh, belief in your body's amazing and it could do fantastic fabulous things like um but I I massively backed off and I and I almost like repels myself away from that like sports psychology keep your eyes on the prize stay focused I just that to me just felt that is not life and I am generally dealing with women um I was talking to someone the other day about this so so now i'm 45 i've got two children i've got my own business i work full time um for me to get to the gym is huge right it is it the life admin that goes into me making it to the gym is ginormous That's not, I can't, I can't, I have to organize my kids, my husband, the food, my work, like everything has to be organized for me to get to the gym. And that's, and that's the reality for most women. So when I get to the gym, I want to be celebrated. I want to be made to feel amazing. If I'm a minute late, who cares? Like make me feel amazing. And so that's what I want to do with my clients as well. However, they turned up exhausted, shattered, having had no sleep the night before, like didn't bother me because I'm like you're here well done like let's have an absolutely terrific session and so I was much more holistic I suppose in Mm. my approach as a personal trainer uh, compared to when I was an athlete
0: but this this is how it should how it's supposed to be you know things have changed time have changed approaches need to change as well and I I don't I don't see that too often in the industry to be fair yeah, you know a lot of trainers are still Uh, just smashing clients to pieces when they when they come into the workout, uh, regardless of how they they went so far, you know, just yeah, just push it through, you got this, blah, blah, blah. I hate it. I hate it. And this is something we need to change, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I know the good stuff happens in your body when you are asleep right? So my job as a trainer is to get you a good night's sleep. Mm. Now, if you, if the only time you can train is eight o'clock at night, or 16 o'clock in the morning, that is going to compromise your sleep. So what do I do to make sure that session, you don't leave your eight o'clock, I don't finish an eight o'clock session with a finisher at like five to nine, I finish your eight o'clock session with 15 minutes of breathing, relaxation, entering into your parasympathetic nervous state to calm you down. So you leave that gym and are able to um, have a great night's sleep. If you're training with me at six o'clock in the morning, I need to make sure that you have had enough time to eat, especially mm. for women before you turn up to that session. And, and I, and also if that then means that you have a rubbish day and you lose energy, then we don't train at six in the morning. We work out other ways of doing it. But for me, um, it's such an old school approach. Like it's so old fashioned. And I think women, especially and, and midlife women just don't have time for that. We don't want to be shouted at or like forced to like, we want people with skills and knowledge, but empathy. And I think that, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I just don't have time for any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> did you, did you take this insights from you being a personal trainer into the courses that you provide today? And how much, uh, how, I mean, how, how did you do that?
1: Yeah. So we we provided that we uh, produce these courses for personal trainers on the female body and, we've very much looked at the whole woman. So let's say, you know, menopause, as an example, it's very on trend to talk about strength training and menopause. What is less on trend is to talk about pelvic health and a well-fitting sports bra along the same lines, in the same discussion as strength training. Now, if you've got a 45-year-old woman who comes to work with you, Um, they're most likely in a sports bra that's about 20 years old and they're most likely not able to do their pelvic floor exercise and probably have pelvic floor issues so you can't strength train them like you can't strength train them well before you address or 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 help support them with those two other issues and it's like we all know that bone density reduces from the age of 35 in women but you can counteract that rate of decline with good quality strength training exactly not if They're wetting themselves every time they lift because they won't come back. And so you might be listening to this as a bloke and saying, there is no way, there is no way I am ever going to have a conversation with a woman about her pelvic floor. That is way out of my comfort zone. But there are ways. There are ways without you getting personal and private and like, you know, and kind of overstepping the mark. There are absolutely ways. And I think that that's how we, that's how we like to educate and, 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 um, communicate this message that we have to join start to join everything up as opposed to seeing everything in sort of you know very specific silos.
0: Oh yeah I know those conversations are super hard to have I know that from experience but you know we have talked at least I've done that with my clients and 70% of all my clients in my career and I'm in the industry for over 20 years as well were females you know so you just get to that and you have to you have to you have to talk about these things there is no way around it, so mm-hmm. I think that an essential part of a personal training education should be as well psychology and communication, which is not thought as well as I would have it. Right. Yeah. So that that was, for example, my point when we are desi- when we were designing our basic, you know, like level three uh, personal training certification that this has to be an essential part of it. So a lot of it went through psychology, but you know, I don't I don't believe that any, any other certification out there right now focuses on psychology and communication enough to get you as a future personal trainer equipped to have those crucial conversations.
1: Mm, yeah. And and it's all about the communication. And do you know what? Some women will want, not want to talk to you about that and that's okay. It's absolutely fine. But there are ways of letting everybody know that you are comfortable if if a young man came up to a training session and he was hungover and he hadn't had, he'd just been out all night and he came to your session, you would work that out. You'd be like, it's all right, I've got this, but I can totally, I can still train you. It's a shame you went out late last night and had a few drinks, yeah. but it's all right. If a menopausal woman came and said, Oh, I had a really bad night's sleep. Like I was, I had, I was sweating so much. Most, not all, most men, would be like whoa like, don't talk to me about the menopause it's the same isn't it it's the same yeah. the solution is different but she's sharing with you what her experience and I think that we can we I, I I say we just need to, I say we need to stay in the room you need to stay in the room and hold that space even if it's outside of your comfort zone and the only way I was doing a big pilot study with 50 personal trainers a few weeks ago now. And one of the first things I asked them to do was kind of write down all the words that they associated with menopause and put them on a timeline. And at one end of the time, or or a continuum, at one end of the continuum, really easy words for them to say. And at the other end of the continuum, words that they would would feel so awkward saying and everything else in between. So most people can say hormones. Most people can say menopause. You know, so that might be your level one. And I was like, right, so this week, go and say, have a, have a sentence with the word hormone in, have a sentence with the word menopause in, and just start articulating this. You go a few steps on, you might talk about brain fog or or hot flushes or weight gain. If you've never put that word into a sentence and said it out loud, there is no way you're going to be able to do that in a professional setting. And so it is a skill. It's like learning how to squat or deadlift. It's a skill getting these words without you tripping up over what you're saying i can i can i can say any word and i don't miss a beat but i've been doing this for years and 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 that's the level i think that people like you say underestimate the skill involved in communicating this messaging it doesn't come easy it's not it's not just about the knowledge is important and getting knowledge from reliable evidence based sources is really important but we talk we call it the knowing doing gap and i know that there's lots of people that just read and read and read and educate and educate and educate, but they can't then translate that into practice, and that's the bit that there's no point in learning about female health if it's not actually going to, you know, affect your um your your your, your professional conduct, and that's very much where we really want to see happen.
0: How are you looking at you know like kind of personal bonding with your clients? Because in in my view, what what I well, this is again my experience, but I, I like to I like to have your view on it. Throughout my career, so there are so many personal bonds that just you know emerge out of the work, and especially with my female clients, I knew pretty much everything. I mm. knew you know how the menstrual cycle is going. Are they missing out on it? Are they not? When is it? You know what they enjoy eating while having you know pre uh, menstrual syndromes and so on. So everything. I, I knew really everything, even those things that I really didn't want to know, but, yeah. you know, because this is, this is just, I think it's natural if you're a good personal trainer, that people that trust you share with you, you know, amazing things, not only positive, unfortunately, so you get to know all the bad things that happen mm. to them as well, but how, how you look at them, because I know that certain uh, personal trainer education companies are trying to you know, teach you not to have that and be like professional, yeah. blah, blah, that's
1: blah. No, I, I would say for me, um, they they share with you because you're kind of a therapist and you are never going to, you, you're never going to see their friends or their husband or their manager or their partner. So that's why, it's so you're a really safe person to talk to because you're never going to then like divulge whatever they've shared with you. Uh, for me, Uh, I think it's very unrealistic to say to personal trainers never have these conversations Mm -hmm. because that's your job you're dealing with health and well-being and we know everything that's involved with creating healthy and well people um but protect yourself and I protect myself by having an incredible referral network around me Mm -hmm. so if I'm not their friend I'm not their friend I'm I am a professional in their space like if someone kept saying to you go like Every time I come and see you, my back is in agony for two days. I would say, right, go and see a physio. So I don't want you. I want. I want you to make an appointment with Steve down the road. Steve's utterly amazing. In fact, if you're all right, I'm going to call him up, tell him that you're coming, and I want him to tell me what's going on and how. How can I adapt the work I'm doing with you so that you don't get this back flare up? But if it was depression or anxiety or an addiction or pelvic health dysfunction or like you know or uh, being so in so much pain with their period symptoms i would have an expert that could deal with anything a client threw at me and i would also call it i wouldn't say i wouldn't stand there and listen like a friend necessarily. i would say gosh you know what that's not okay like i really want you to go and see someone and i've got a great person that i can introduce you to Mm. and i and i i've done i've always done that because i it helps protect me because otherwise you can feel it's interesting isn't it comparing um therapists to personal trainers therapists are really well protected they have a very clear scope of practice they have a therapy group themselves that supports them but often with personal training you don't have that and sometimes you can you can really find yourself out of your depth with some of the problem behaviors that your clients might share with you and you're like what do I do with that information like I don't know I don't know who to go to now which is why I knew where the local Alcoholics Anonymous was, where the Narcotics Anonymous was. I, I even phoned them up and said, how does this work? Like, I've never been, like, what's the gig? Like, how do I, how do I, what, tell me as much as you can so that I can talk to my clients about it. Um, but I always had a really tight referral network because I think that people do share a lot with you and, and sometimes you can feel really out of your depth with
0: that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Is there something that you today provide through your courses, you know, that extra knowledge so that you know, not always, okay, you still refer out, that's quite urgent in my view, but you you have, you should have a better understanding. Is this what the WellHQ provides?
1: Totally. So we provide you with the practical application of female health. So, you know, for example, the, the module on sports bras, like, you just need to know that great sports bras exist. If you want to find out like what's the science behind a sports bra, you can go and research. You can go and look at the, the actual evidence. What we say is, right, what does a good sports bra fit look like? what what are the different types of sports bra how would you as a personal trainer start a conversation with a with a woman who's got chronic neck pain about her about a sports bra so it's a very very practical application of this evidence as opposed yeah. to you don't really have to interpret anything you just have, kind of have to like read our stuff watch our stuff and we will give you the really specific sort of practical top tips what can you, you know, so you know, the sports bra thing is is incorporated into the session on back pain and strength training and stretching because it's just part of the solution like yeah. you can't if it doesn't matter how well you train her if a sport if she's if she's big breasted the sports bra needs to be right and so you might go back to that referral network you might know who is local that does really good bra fix and or what's the online resource that you know you can send that person to to get a great bra mm-hmm. and that's all you need to do you don't have to fix it you just have to kind of Offer up, offer up advice and support.
0: What is in your experience? Is is the sport bra thing coming up rather later? Probably after forty years old. Or no, because... goodness
1: me, no, no, no. Did you know this is a, this is a top? This is a fascinating fact. If I was lined up on the start of a marathon, as me, and then I had an avatar right next to me, and they were they were in a really well fitting sports bra, and I was in a not very well fitting sports bra. My avatar would finish a mile ahead of me. Right. And that, and that doesn't, doesn't matter how fast or slow I am, how big my chest is, or how small it is, whether I'm elite or like, you know, a five hour marathon runner, a mile ahead, 4%, 4% gain in a sports bra. And so, so very young women have to get this right too. Yeah. But they, we don't, we don't know that the that brilliant sports bras exist. Uh, we well, no one knows how to fit them. That's the problem. Yeah. So we don't. We're walking around and just. And also, I think the way they are marketed. If you look at all the imagery on sports bras, it's all about your cleavage and the straps and how they look. It's not about the function and kind of like how it supports you. And I think that's going. You know, and that's that's part of the, that's the fitness narrative, isn't it? That we need to start changing. Yeah. It's like this is a this is a really great bit of kit and it's not about how it looks. It's like how you know it, it how it supports you.
0: Which which brings me to the Instagram reality today, because you know, the the younger generation all they look is how does it look, you know, on the videos, on the pictures that I'm posting, and so on. But that should be way more than that. Yeah. By the way, how do you look at business models from fitness influencers today, especially you know younger younger females that are you know trying to gain traction on social media just with the looks? How, how does Thanks you know you know we
1: start we started off talking about um sort of retention of females didn't we like you know like you talked about the, the the women that go away and have a baby and find it hard to kind of come back into personal training yeah I think that I mean I because I was rowing I didn't come into personal training until I was 30 so I was quite late and also I I had I had the I had the credibility of having been on the British rowing team. I genuinely didn't care what I looked like. I'm like, I've been on the British rowing team. I've got, I've, got, I've done sports science. I'm good. I know what I'm doing. I, it, I generally does. It doesn't matter what I look like. Like this is, that's not how I'm selling my business in terms of, in terms of like long-term success, you can't, well, I personally believe that it's, you. it's, it's just short-sighted to, to to push a whole business on your shape and form and I think that if you look for me the personal trainers that are being genuine and it's they're not whiter than white they're not what this perfect life They I, I, because that's not reality is it and I no. and, and it saddens me when people really feel that's the oh that's the only value is what they look like and people will only work with them if they look like that I can tell you for now that midlife women which is an untapped market in the world of fitness and mm. and to an extent like postnatal women are not inspired by tiny little bodies who like you know eat hardly anything all day every day they want real women and i think that the more real women that show up in the gym who are healthy and functioning and have great relationships with their family and can eat puddings around the table because the relationship with food is really important and they don't want to create that toxic environment. Like that's that's what we want to hear.
0: Yeah, but this is, my problem was for a long time, still is to be fair, a lot of younger, younger girls that are trying to get into the fitness industry they go into the fitness industry without resolving their own problems own with nutrition, with food. The food, the, the relation with food they have is just simply terrible. And they project and and you know, they just put this on the clients as well. They prescribe, they prescribe, which they usually shouldn't do that because they're not dietitians, right? But they prescribe, you know, like crazy diets. And the second thing that I really hate in the fitness industry. Are those influencer programs, generic programs, you pay like 20 pounds for that, go all on, jump in front of, of the TV at home, eat a toast or a rice cake with something mm-hmm. on it, and that's your your freaking breakfast. Are you yeah. kidding me? You know, This has to stop somewhere. How do Does- we stop that?
1: Well... I mean, I can only talk from personal experience and I I just, I walk the talk. So when I got into pelvic floor, like pelvic floor exercises are boring, right? It's very easy for a personal trainer to say, do your pelvic floors. It's easy to say, do your stretches. But I was like, I am going to do my pelvic floor exercises. I'm going to do them every day. I'm going to, I'm going to, so I walked the talk. I also had a very, very traumatic birth experience. My first birth experience was really traumatic. I didn't realise impact it was having on me until my little one was sort of three years old and every time I was talking to someone else you know about their birth story because they'd have to tell it to me because I was as I was doing their history like who you know what's happened to them it was it kept flaring up inside of me so I went and got therapy and I sorted it out and but I was open I didn't I didn't I didn't like broadcast that I was going to see a therapist to help me with my Mm. with my, my birth trauma but when I was showing up with women, I was like, gosh, yeah, you know what? Like, I, I really needed some help and I wish I had gone sooner. And this is the experience that I had. I really suggest that you go too. And and I just think if you do the work on yourself, it's like, if you go and you you just need to do the work, that's the industry you're in. And I think the more, and also then it's not exhausting, then it's more sustainable because you're not pretending to be someone that you're not. You're being totally, you are who you are. And it's like, mm. and and we're we've all, We've all got stuff we need to work on all the time. Yeah. And I think that's okay to show up like that, genuinely do.
0: Let me ask you one one very important questions for the males in the industry that would like to get more educated on the female topic, but usually the reason why I was avoiding a lot of those uh, education program was I did not want to take a program that would tell me with a, you know, like with a powerful feminist filled voice how bad I am because I'm, I am a man. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, why can we not just accept that we're different in certain respects and treat each other with respect and, you know, with dignity as, as well, not producing, I don't know, more tension in it. And this was my, my huge reason why I didn't want to work with certain, with certain companies because of that. I know from what I've heard and from what I've seen um, so far that, you are way different with that
1: yeah so- because um most personal trainers and sports coaches are men and most women are coached by men and so um we i'm i'm in this to have a very successful business but i'm also in this to genuinely change the system like i want to create a better place for girls than women and we cannot do that unless we pr- create content and create education that men can consume as well and so i very much feel that um that if you are if you're training girls and women even if you have no lived experience of any of this stuff that you can absolutely learn about it um and i and it's it's kind of not your fault that you don't know what's going on because you've you've got a qualification and no one and and if the industry gives you a qualification why on earth would you say but is it enough you're like no i've got my qualification Mm -hmm. it's included x y and z like I don't have to do anything extra so you've got your qualification but now now we do know more and now we need to do a better job and I don't want to be in a situation where like I put on a coaching course and I've got like you know 30 women and one man like no like we need to we need we need more men showing up so without a doubt men have you know I our education is it's not judgy. It's not. We're not shaming men. We're not angry with men. We're just like, right, guys, you got some work to do, but like, you know, let, let's crack on.
0: That's good to know. Which courses do you provide? I mean, that that might sound like um, you know, like a promotion for you, but why? Why? Well, basically, why not promote something that is good? So, yeah. what what so, do you offer? What What can I expect if I go to your website and I'm looking for for more yeah, education on the female body?
1: Four four CPD courses. Uh, one's on puberty. Uh, one is on the female body, one is on pre and postnatal and one is on menopause. They are all online and they are being mapped to the Simpsa. So we're endorsed by simpsper as a training provider and our courses will be mapped to the Simspur standard. And they are and it covers everything. So it's not just menstrual cycle and training around your cycle. That does exist. But it's also reducing the rates of injury in females. It's sports bras, it's pelvic health, it's hormonal contraception, it's um, nutrition through a female filter. Um, so it covers lots and lots of different topics in very manageable easy to understand ways I was literally on the phone just before this to um a sports doctor so you'd assume that she's a she she's a sports doctor she competes and trains and coaches internationally she's like your course is amazing like I love it and I'm like and she she theoretically should know all of this stuff from being a woman and sporty and her qualification yet she is learning from this and And we very much wanted to take it out of that academic medical space and really give it, present it in a way where if you're on the gym floor or you're in the park or you're like on a pitch, you can work with it straight away.
0: That's good to know. What would you say would be the main things to look at when we train females? So what 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 is what are the differences? Because I know, you know, a lot of our listeners do not you don't know exactly okay what what's the focus then
1: so there's things that happen exclusively inside a female body and there's things that happen differently so the things that happen exclusively are the fact we have breasts and we have a we have a monthly hormonal cycle i think if that is the there's so many differences but that is a huge one so we all have a circadian rhythm that kind of goes on for 24 hours but on top of that is this monthly hormonal cycle that that, and we have estrogen receptors over the whole of our body and so these these female hormones don't just affect our ovaries and our pelvis it affects everything it affects our our um, our confidence it affects our weight it affects our ability to focus it affects our coordination and our strength training we work with sports coaches who say with mountain bikers and they say i can tell what's what week my my athlete is on because sometimes she's really courageous and like takes risks and at other times of the month she doesn't. So when she's in that low risk stage of her cycle, I need to work with her because if she's got the Olympic Games on that day, like we need her to take risks. And so the menstrual cycle is something that we, it is complicated but not complicated. It's that kind of like it. We just need to acknowledge that side of things. Um, and I think that the one thing that I would um encourage all trainers to do is and this is quite hard because obviously as personal trainers your ego and your success and your uh your outward messaging is very much I am brilliant listen to me if you haven't ever had a cycle or worn a sports bra or been pregnant it's like well how can I claim that I am brilliant to all of those things if I've never experienced them and nailed it and so it's it's kind of changing that narrative a bit and saying listen to your clients. Your clients will have so much information they can share with you, and that's what we need. Even if you don't understand, even if you can't connect totally with that, it's being able to it's being able to hold a space where if they wish, they want to talk about things.
0: How about the sports bras? So I I don't know too much about bras. To be fair, I, I just don't. Yeah. So what? What can I tell my clients? So what you know what would be the main three to five factors to look out and you know suggest them to do to get a better bra.
1: Yeah. So they uh so if you did our this is a sales plug, but if you did our course on there, we've got infographics and good quality information about what a good fitting sports bra, what it should look like. Um but that aside, there's a brilliant company called Booby Doo, and on there there's amazing videos about how do you fit a sports bra for crossfit for football for yoga for you know for whatever activity you're doing how do you do it if you've got big breast but a small but a small chest measurement for example so a lot and if you've had breast cancer like loads and loads of different bits of information and you mm. can get an online fitting so you can you can be in the comfort of your own home with your bra on and they can say right do some star jumps or do some jumps or do some squats let me have a look at what goes on okay go and get another bra on and, and they will work out what is the right fitting bra for you and I think that that. Um, So booby-doo are absolutely brilliant at doing online stuff, but you might also have people locally that will, um, you know, that will be able to support you in that, that respect as well.
0: That's amazing. I I didn't know about that. And I'm quite sure that many, many, many of my clients didn't know about it either, you know, never. So that's, that's quite a problem. Okay,
1: and they, and men, and women, Many women will have their bra for years. And if they, and if, and if it feels a bit like old, they'll just put two bras on. It's like, well, we don't put two pairs of shoes on, do we? We just just go buy a new pair of shoes. So it's like, we need to like, yeah. So we need to know what we're doing with the sports bra. What,
0: what about the menstrual cycle? You know, because I know that a lot of coaches still are not aware about it. So what would be the, we know about the PMS good. So how do we, how do we, you know, adjust to that?
1: So with the menstrual cycle, I think everyone jumps immediately to um, training around your cycle. So like, how can I train or eat around my menstrual cycle? If we just take it back a few notches, the first thing we need to do is have a manageable cycle. So people, women should not be... like they shouldn't be floored by their menstrual cycle symptoms. So no one should be missing work or like having to stay at home or not show up to do their gym or their sport because of their menstrual cycle symptoms. Now, as a PT, you may not be able to fix that, but you can absolutely say right you need to go and get some help with that and because I've got my little referral network I know who I want to send you to um so we need to be having a a manageable cycle we need to be encouraging our clients to track their cycle and that's like all health tracking it's that and, and they might wish to share that information with you they might not and that's totally fine but let's not just track the bad bits don't just track when do you get the problematic symptoms but also when do you feel awesome like when is it that you come out of an exercise session and you've been able to like have so much energy Mm -hmm. now if you track that over three months you might notice that actually in the first few weeks of your cycle exercise is no problem or and you might feel that actually in week three of your cycle you start to feel lethargic that is amazing information that you as a personal trainer can then work with um so manage the cycle track the cycle if they're then like ready for more they might you might say okay like let's start to experiment with how much we are training at different stages of your cycle now as i mentioned i am 45 maybe on the on the on the edge of being menopausal I can only train on a Monday a Wednesday and a Friday. That's it. doesn't matter what my hormones are doing. That is when I can train because that's my childcare and that's, that's my work schedule and that's what I do. So actually I kind of don't want to have that conversation because I'm like, I can't train four or five days a week for the first two weeks and two days a week for the second, second two weeks. It's just not how my lifestyle works, but I am really interested in seeing kind of like when are the sessions where I can push myself more. So there will be some people that want to train around their cycle and that's kind of okay, but I don't think that will be open to many.
0: True, true. And we, we should, if nothing else, what we can adjust would be intensity, load, yeah. volume, you know, the usual stuff. And warm-ups. Can... Yeah,
1: yeah, like warm-ups. You might be like, you know, some some people's uh injury symptoms might flare up at certain times of the month. And you might be like, okay, that's fine. Like, I know that week three... We just need to have an extended warm up and an extended cool down. We can still do the work in the middle, but I just we just need to kind of like make sure that it's bookended with really good support. That's fine.
0: You can you can still progress with that, you know. Totally. Because you, you just adjust the volume that is according to what is happening and going on in the body right now. So that is quite a good quite a good thing. And
1: it's very important to to not not patronize women and wrap them up in cotton wool and make them feel fragile. We don't want anyone to think that like oh like how are you feeling today? Like we don't want to kind of like you know patronize them with that kind of like just that over caring. It's like okay cool like what's going on with your body right I know I need to do this today. And the number of I you know I obviously talk a lot about this and the women that come up to me and say, God, my trainer knew this week that I, I needed, and he and he proactively said, okay, week three, I'm pretty sure this might be happening. Is that true? And they're like, yes. And they were like, amazing. Let's crack on. And so women really love it. Well, not all women, but lots of women love it when yeah. you don't have, and that's, that's not an awkward conversation. That's just kind of like working with their physiology.
0: Yeah, true. Good. So what would be, your main three tips for personal trainers right now you know like easy to implement something that everybody needs what would be your three main tips
1: educate yourself read our book our courses but there's other stuff out there well. go to a good source of information on female health and get educated do the work yourself work on uh, if you're a female do your own work if you've got if you've got problems with your relationship with food if you've got pelvic floor dysfunction if you haven't been for a sports bra fit do that yourself and if you're a bloke surround yourself with people that can help the women that you work with and the third um the third top tip would be to to talk about it talk about it with your clients practice saying the words and you might say i'm not ready for that okay talk to your mum Talk to your sister, talk to your best mate, just start having these conversations, because then you'll get more, you'll get more familiar with kind of getting them into your uh, professional practice.
0: Good. I would like to um, invite you for another podcast to talk more about the pre and postnatal stuff, if you you agree. What I will do definitely, so everybody that is interested in the Well HQ courses, I will put a link to your web page, right below that video so you make sure you go down there you click on the link and you make yourself more educated about this stuff because it's urgent so um is there anything else that you want me you know to bring across besides me taking the course because I will okay and uh yeah. I'm I'm really curious because I already have my access to it thank you for that mm-hmm. so um I will dig in and, and try to you know, improve myself as well. If nothing else, I'm thinking about to update our course book for personal fitness trainers to so the level three course, and with 2024 to um, well implement way more about the female body and yeah. you know the specifics that we should be knowing. Is there anything that you see on the market right now that you would like to address and you know that needs to be changed? We we only have a few minutes left, but still.
1: Uh, I think it should be mandated that if you work with girls and women, you should have some form of standard education around the female body. I think it's disgusting that you can qualify in this industry and in the sports industry without coming out of that and not knowing anything about female health. And it has to be um, uh, kind of to your level. So if you're a volunteer coach or you only do a couple of sessions, then fine, just learn the basics. But with if it's not in the actual qualifications, the no that the messaging is this isn't important this is this is an add-on this is an extra you don't need to do this you can still do your job and I think that that needs to change that's what I would ch- if I had a magic wand that's what I would change
0: well you have to a degree <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. you have to a degree so we will definitely implement that in ours so uh, that's that's done check mm. uh, but let's let's talk a bit we have five minutes left so if you agree let's talk about the the education of personal trainers so what else would you say is it's missing
1: um i mean i think from from my perspective it's that it's the it's the education around the female body and it's also acknowledged totally acknowledging that the that the education you are getting is from a default male perspective and i think and that's if we don't have, only 6% of sports science research is done exclusively on females so hardly anything so there will be massive gaps there where we don't even have the evidence from which we can teach however we need to admit that actually this this education that i'm giving you today actually all the research all the anecdotal evidence has come from men and it doesn't mean that it might not be at all applicable to females what it means is we just need to acknowledge that i think it's when you know, intermittent fasting came out and it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Everyone was promoting it. And then actually when you when you dug deep into that evidence, it was only working in pre-diabetic, overweight white men. It's like, okay, so like own that. Say that's where this evidence has come from. We've extrapolated it to the entire population. If it doesn't work for you, it's not because it's your fault, it's not might not be your fault. It's actually this evidence is only from here. And we actually now know that in females it doesn't work. But that we need to own where the evidence is coming from and say what populations it's been studied on.
0: I've had huge problems with, with a keto diet and and females. It was a disaster, disaster. you know, I've worked because where I, where I live, there was, um, you know, like everywhere, keto and uh, low carb dieting and I mean you know, it was just trendy for almost 10 years. I, I, I cannot believe that it sustained that long, but still it was there. Right. So, I've got so many female clients to to work with because someone else messed them up really, really bad. You know, and they they're all like 25, 26 year olds, uh trying to get pregnant without a menstrual cycle for over six months. And so what do you do? Well, it, it takes some time to get them back, you know? And- yeah,
1: because mentally it's really scarred them and they've gone deep yeah. with that yeah. diet. They've gone really, they've really committed, but we know that. Our physiology is very sensitive to carbohydrate availability. And if you don't have carbohydrate, because either you're intermittent fasting and there's massive chunks of your day when you're not eating or you're just eating protein on fat and like the carbohydrate isn't available, it messes up your female hormones. And it's a disaster. So, you know, you were talking about 20, 25 year olds who then want to get pregnant. I was dealing with women at the other end of the spectrum, kind of uh, menopausal women whose husbands have gone on it and like lost loads of weight. They were like, oh, I'm doing exactly the same, but it's not working for me. And I'm putting on more weight. And I'm like, yeah, because menopause is stressful and this diet is stressful. And stress means that we retain weight, we don't lose weight. And so, but getting through that education to them and they, and they, what they did is they just went more extreme with the dieting. So, whereas their husbands might only say maybe be not yeah not intermittent fasting for that long they would like extend the hours reduce the calorific intake and they went more extreme and the results got even worse and so it was doing quite a lot of harm
0: and this this is you know what i mean that we should be careful with education from the from the very beginning and the other thing that i think we're lacking a lot was the practical application of everything you know there was you can depending on depending on where you live or where you take the courses you can get certified in a in a weekend which is you know when, yeah. when i'm looking at that are you kidding me what are we, we putting out on the market i mean there are so many bad trainers out there because of that shouldn't we make sure that this gets better mm,
1: totally and, you know, totally I- and i think that that's raising standards that's why we've written a girls and women's standard for Simspur, and that is why we have mapped our courses to that standard. Now, I can't help if someone else comes along and puts on another, another course around the female body, but I can absolutely hold my head up high and say, we have the gold standard and we've done that and we know what gold looks like. And then it's our job as a business to market that and say, this is what good looks like. But I can't help what other people do. Um, but yeah, for sure, you need to do the right thing.
0: To wrap it up, uh, because of that gold standard, you should. You should definitely click on the link below that video. Visit the Well HQ website. Not only visit it, sign up with them. Get yourself more educated, and well, bring your level of service way up. You should definitely do that. Bas, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And I'm I'm looking forward for the next one to the pre and postnatal. This was a formal invitation today, so. Um, Might be a surprise. Hey, I like to surprise you as well. So uh, thanks again. uh, And guys, i see you in the next podcast. And that wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe. Click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you listen on iTunes. We love hearing from you. So share your thoughts and let us know what topics you'd like us to explore in the future episodes. Keep pushing forward and i'll catch you in the next episode of the next gen pt